The Holy Gospel according to St. Mark, the first chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Now, after John was arrested, Jesus came to Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God and saying, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. As Jesus passed along the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Jesus said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fish for people. And immediately they left their boats and followed him. As he went a little farther, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, who were in their boat mending the nets. Immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. The assembly may be seated. Grace, peace to you from God, our Creator, and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Does anybody really know what time it is? Does anybody really care? Right? These, these are the theological musings of the band Chicago, right? And my answer to them is, why, yes, we do care what time it is. I know this personally, right? I've spent the first few weeks of this new year meticulously filling out my new planner as if some way, somehow, if I just put enough dates and enough things in it that I'll be able to control time itself, right? That I'll just master time and it'll bend to my will and every great thing I want to do will just happen because it's in a calendar, of course, right? That's how calendars work. But you see, that's not just me, it's all around me. In our house recently, we introduced alarm clocks in the bedroom. Why? To make sure that we wake up on time. And as it turns out, that was never an issue to begin with, but now we have blaring alarms to assist us in that process, which is just a lovely way to wake up each and every day. Even in our readings today, time plays a prominent role. We're told that Jonah is going to take the time of three days to cross through all of Nineveh to share the word of repentance to the people, and he only gets one day into the journey. The dude only gets to like the suburbs of Nineveh before the people have heard enough, and they start to repent. Takes us into our, our reading from Paul, where Paul says, the time of the Lord is so close that you shouldn't waste your time on getting married, right? There's more important things to do, and I kind of like that, at least as a future wedding text. I'm going to try to pitch it for my next wedding, right? Let's read this and see what we think, right? I think there's opportunity there, right? Don't waste your time with this. That gets us into Mark. Now, Mark as a gospel is kind of infatuated with time. It seems from the moment that Mark begins writing, a stopwatch is going, and Jesus is kind of rushing through everything. Words like immediately, and now, and shortly after, just sort of punctuate each and every movement of the gospel as Jesus is running along, trying to get us to the triumphant end in the resurrection and the good news of the cross. And that's what makes today really unique. Because time, you see, for us finite beings is, well, limited, right? We only have so much time in the day, or so many days in the year, or, honestly, days in our lives, right? So, so time is sort of a limitation. Yet today, we meet a finite being, flesh and blood, Jesus' own self, who is not limited by time, as it turns out, because he's fully divine. And now we're invited to follow, to participate in this new reality. One, we're, we're past the present and future all kind of collapse into one. And we are unified in that very same 
One, told today now, after John was arrested, Jesus came to Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God, saying, the time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God has come near. Believe and repent, right? Now, in those very, very short verses, a lot of time has sort of passed, right? First off, now. Now is the time. In this moment, Mark is saying something remarkable is happening. God is here. God, in other words, has stepped out of the infinite into the finite. This is what we just celebrated at Christmas. It's the incarnation. Stepping into time, into humanity, into all of the restrictions therein. And it's in the midst of this that he now appears on the scene. And what we find out is that what just happened is his friend John has been arrested. In other words, the good news that sort of marks this time is actually overshadowed by bad news that he's just received. But Jesus is not going to let the bad news outweigh the good news, right? He takes this grief with him as he begins to proclaim the good news of God. And with it, an invitation to repent and to believe for the time of God is fulfilled and the kingdom of God has drawn near. In other words, in other words, the kingdom of God is not a product of our discipleship, but a precondition of our discipleship. We are being invited into a thing that's already unfolding regardless of what we do. It's already happening. Even before he calls the disciples, God's kingdom is already breaking in. It's already all around us. We are simply being invited to step out and step into it at the present time. And there's this cool thing in Greek. It's maybe the only part of my Greek I took in seminary that I remember. It's a verb tense called the perfect tense, right? And this tense is really weird because it functions as a thing that's already occurred, an event that's already done but whose impact is yet ongoing. And that's what the kingdom of God is here for us. It's kind of goofy when we try to translate it into English, but it's exactly the thing that Jesus is saying today. The kingdom of God is already here. It's already been established. And even then, I'm inviting you to be part of it right here, right now. As we already heard, the conditions for this in-breaking kingdom of God are not perfect, right? It's with grief at the knowledge of, of, of John's arrest, that Jesus comes with this news. And what that says to me is, we cannot wait for the perfect time to follow this call, right? And we do that a lot in our lives. How many times in your life have you had this thing that you don't really want to do, that you know you got to do, and you don't do it, and you don't do it, and the way you justify it is by saying, eh, the time's not right. I'll get to it when things are better. When, when things are more well set up, when the time is perfect. We all do it. And the reality is, Jesus says, don't do that. Because the time is never going to be perfect. You'll be waiting forever. And a reminder is, unlike God, we don't have forever to wait. So you need to step out and step up now. And I think that is in turn what makes the response of the disciples today so remarkable. They hear this invitation. They don't even think twice. Immediately, we're told, immediately, they follow. They drop their nets. They leave their boats. Heck, they even leave their father standing on the boat with the helper hands standing with them. And they go. And even though they leave it all behind, what I love the most is they maintain who they are. 
They maintain their identity as they do it. Notice, when Jesus calls these fishermen, he uses language and work that appeals to them, that they understand. He doesn't tell them that they got to leave their vocation and become priests. No. He says, leave behind what you know to fish what you do know. Do the thing you're good at, but do it in a new way. And I'm going to show you what that new way can be. In other words, he invites them to do what they already know so that others may come to know God. He doesn't replace their livelihood. He doesn't tell them to get a job. No. He breathes new life into the livelihood they already have. That, that is the beauty of our call to follow that we share with these disciples. We likewise are called to do the same. To follow God in our daily lives, to do the things we already do, but do it with a new perspective, a perspective of the kingdom of God already here. We are representatives of God in the flesh in our everyday lives, in our everyday work. Our work centered in compassion and love and care for other people. And this is such a profound theological concept that Luther gave it a name, the priesthood of all believers. You are as much a priest as I, even though many of you never stepped foot in a seminary. Why? Because in our belief, right, we take up this call. Just like in their belief, the disciples began to fish in a new way. This calling is not limited to priests and pastors, but instead teachers in the work they do, which is very difficult work, they are doing this work of the kingdom. Maintenance workers, uh, whether it be in, in a hospital setting or a church setting or in a grocery store, wherever you find yourself in your day-to-day -day lives and you're living it out with love and compassion and care for others, you are following God. You are doing the work that God has called you in to do it. And the weirdest part is that it kind of begins in a moment, right? Like, like for the disciples today, in a moment, they decide they're going to do this thing, and they leave it all behind, and they just kind of go. And it's an immediate response there at the Sea of Galilee. Maybe in your life, the immediate moment was in the waters of baptism. We're in that water washing over you. You were committed to a new way of living, a new way of life. The key is the journey, the work, is lifelong. It never ends because no matter where you are in your life, there's opportunity to fulfill this call once more. Once more, I ask you, does anybody really know what time it is? Does anybody really even care? Boy, oh boy, I hope your answer is yes. Because we know the time for God's reign is now, and therefore the time for us to care for each other because of the care of that reign is likewise now. So let us be called to do the work we've been called to do in our daily lives, but to do it not for ourselves, for the goodness of God's kingdom already here. Thanks be to God. Amen. Amen.